Hello, this is Africa Science Focus, your favourite science show. And I'm the producer, Harrison Lewis. We've been taking a look back at our favourite episodes from season two. And today, we're revisiting a really important issue, one that doesn't get as much attention as it definitely should. It's the topic of child marriage. It's estimated globally that there are quite staggeringly 650 million child brides. South Asia is home to the largest number of these marriages, but Sub-Saharan Africa records the second highest rates. When Michael Koloki spoke to the biostatistician and Malawi health researcher Halima Twabi, we discovered that nearly 40% of young women in Sub-Saharan Africa are married off before they reach the age of 18. When I was in Form 4, and I went to my uh, home village, and then the then my dad was informing them that now she's uh, she's done with her from four, and the first thing the people were like, so when is she getting married? And then I was like fifteen years old. So for them, yeah, the first thing that comes uh, into mind is the marriage aspect. And of course, when you go to the village now, you find that small girls they've married now. So previously, yes, the parents would have a role. Okay, it could be something that is still ongoing that the parents have a role. However, nowadays you'll find that the girls themselves are, you know, they'll they'll end up vying or choosing to go into marriage. Okay, which is a big problem. I feel for me, it's still that lack of self-esteem, especially in the rural areas. Uh, lack of self-esteem, lack of role models to tell them that. It's not just about marriage, okay? Marriage is not the ultimate goal. For them, the goal at the end is marriage, okay? In, when you're in the rural area. For girls in the urban, you, you, if we were to do a study, you see that there is a change, okay? They'll focus on the education, okay? Um, maybe it's because most uh, like activities that have been taking place in the past would be the town and a bit in the rural. So it's a problem, but then it, if we were to do a, you know, a, a count, we'll see that it has reduced over time. We have seen uh, girls who have actually come from the rural and have joined uh, the college uh, now. Girls with higher levels of education are less likely to be married as a child Girls who are forced to marry while they're young are more likely to drop out of school and live a life of poverty. Dr. Twabi wants to keep girls in school, and she thinks that women in science can inspire younger girls to pursue education. I think uh, with some of my friends, we had noted, you know, the numbers of female students. So we decided to say, I think we can you know, do something about it. So why don't we start from like looking at those who are in the primary and secondary schools? Because, you know, those are the ones who need exposure. Okay. So it could be that they do not see or they have not been exposed to role models. And, you know, they just need to see fellow females just like them. It's just that we maybe we might be a bit older and, you know, tell them what we are currently doing. And yeah, and we have seen a huge improvement and we have seen girls who'd come up to us and say, you remember you came to 
Muhaswa. Muhaswa is in Mlanje. We went to Muhaswa and, and she said that time I did not know that there were, you know, science, these science careers. But now I'm here at Champ, I'm doing, I'm under the faculty of science. And we're like, Oh, wow. This is amazing. You know, like such kind of stories push us to, to do more. So we have done a lot of uh, school outreach activities. We have gone to um, different schools all the way up to Kamenya, I think, and all the way up to Mlanje, yeah, Chikwawa, I think we've also reached there. Um, we've gone to Machinga, Mangoji, Zomba. Zomba is like, yeah, uh, so close by. And we we encourage, you know, promoting the love for science using locally available materials. Then we'll tell them things like, okay, you know, like we know that you may get um, water from maybe the boho or, you know, where, you know, chisime. So we, you know, tell them that you can, there's this method where you can filter the water. Okay, using local environmental materials, find, you know, stones, um, sand, cotton, or even a, a clean cloth, and just put your water filter. You have clean water. You mean you can boil it and, uh, you know, you can use it for cooking or drinking. Things like those. Uh, we had the opportunity to collaborate with um, FHI 360, uh, the Dreams Project, and through that we were able to have a week-long science camp. And this can science camp was for free, targeting girls from the rural. But young women don't always get the choice to stay in school, even when they desperately want to. Earlier this season, our reporter Michael Cloakey was taken on a tour of Kenya's Sister Mazaldi Hospital by Jane Kabai, a security guard who worked her way into the operating theatres. Step out of the car now. Okay. Oh, hello. Is the lady opening the door here? Hello. Hi. Uh, are you Jane? Yes, I'm Jane Kabiri Kubai. Welcome to the, to Sister Mazod Hospital. Welcome. Thank you, Jane. Uh, Jane is just opening the gate here for me, and I'm just going to walk in. Jane told Michael how she ended up working at a hospital so far from where she grew up. Actually, I left my home when I was 11 years old because of challenges I was facing in my community. Actually, in my community, I come from from Meru. Again, Benodi, Hatsumutuate. Just to add in here, Meru is one of the counties in Kenya. So these are basically regional, maybe what I would call regional administrative areas. And here in Kenya, we refer to them as counties. So you come from the Meru County. Yes, I come from Meru County, Gembe North. My village is Mutuate, Mutuambu village, where I was raised up from the family of six of Mr. and Mrs. Kubai, and I'm the third born of the family. So when you reach the age of 11, 10, 12 of there, you get circumcised, the FGM, then you get marriage, some forced marriage, which happens in the community. So when, when my father told me about this and my mom explained about the procedure going to be done in my life, I decided to just disappear from the home and disappeared, and I went missing because I wanted to get education and go back to school so that I can uh, go on in my future. And I went uh, where I, I met with the priest who took me to a sister to become a maid. Okay, so 
I should describe just as we're talking, we're walking through the facility here and uh, we're now in a large open courtyard. Uh, so just to add in, uh, this facility is run by the Catholic Church. Yes. And this is where uh, the sisters um, who run this facility live. Yeah, sure. That's where they live. They're the ones who run this hospital. Okay. As we're here in this courtyard, and I should say it's a nice sunny day out here in uh, Rongai area. Just to pick up where we left off. So now when you met the vicar, you said he then took you to school. Yes, he went to the bonding school in class six and I started my journey from there, St. Charles Luanga. I finished my primary school 2008 where I passed very well and he, he took me to the secondary school the next there, House High School. So while you were in high school during the holidays, you would go back to the home where you had been working as a maid and you would work there as a maid during the holidays so that you could get pocket money uh, for when you go back to school. Yes, it, it was like that because I I had to do so so that I can get my pocket money and do some, some shopping so that I can be stable like other uh, children there in that school. So after high school, after you got your end of year high school results, you signed up to work as a security guard in a security firm. Yes, I went and I signed up to be in the security firm where I worked as a security. Later on, the, there was introduction in the college that they are offering the data technologist, the preparative data technologist course, and I was interested since I've been staying with the patient for long in that hospital as a security guard. Um, tell me more about, you know, what you were learning at, at the college. I work as, as a security guard during the day and I go back to class at night. Actually, it was very challenging, but I've never given up in my life since you have heard my story since I started. I've never given up. I'm just giving hope for myself that one day I'll be somebody and somebody somewhere that at least I'll be having a voice so that I can encourage somebody else who is there thinking that you cannot do two or three uh, jobs at the same time. I did because I, I believe that you can do no, no matter what as long as you have the desire and the will. Now jump forward to the present day and Jane has been recognised as a health hero by the Women in Global Health Network. Maybe you can describe to us where we are now. Okay, now we are in the system zone, in the female ward, where we are going inside to just to see the patients are there, and we have our sister here, nurse. Could I ask you, um, Sister yeah. Naomi, uh, what are your thoughts on um, on Jane's journey into the field of medicine? Okay, about Jane's journey, we just so happy about her progress in the field because. Looking at the beginning where she started, it was a very humble beginning, being a security guard. And now that encouragement which she had, even the way she has struggled through, we are even encouraging our support staffs to also go a step ahead, not just work as support staffs. They can even empower themselves the way Jane has done. Did you, were you, when you, were you shocked when you heard about uh, uh, Jane's story? Yeah, sure. It was a real shock because for me, I've been in this field for quite long and I've never even heard of a security guard who even goes to the ward 
to do even an aid procedure or to even assist you lift a patient because majorly they are just based in at the gates and that's what they do. So they just believe they are working to be at the gate and to usher people in and out, open the gates and such things. So her story was just so amazing for us to hear. Jane has received global recognition for her efforts to educate communities and patients on how to prevent the spread of COVID-19. And this is just the beginning. So Jane, that was a very interesting visit into the theatre there. Uh, now I have to say, um, I think I'm more informed than I was before about what, what goes on in a hospital theatre. How did you feel about being named a heroine of health by women in global health? Uh, amazing! It was amazing to be to to hear such a, a, a thing in my or that word in my life. I couldn't imagine that one day I can be called like that a heroine uh, that I've won the award. So I just thank God for everything. Jane, what are your aspirations for the future in regards to your medical profession? Oh yes, I aspire to continue with my studies uh, since I've done all the certificates. I wish to continue my studies and do the diploma, uh, then the degree and master's in this course for data technologies. Then after all, I will just see whether I can pursue of my dream of becoming a surgeon one day or in future. What would be your advice to young women who might be keen to work in surgery? I would advise them that they face the challenge and come out to come and be keen there to the patient to assist the surgeons so that we can able to, to cater the patient's life in theater. I'd also advise them not to give up when they have many challenges. I can assure them I've passed many challenges and I've made it. If I've made it, why not them? I can encourage them that one day, one time, their dreams are going to be true. A moving and powerful story from Jane Kabai in Kenya there and a little snapshot of reality for some young women in Africa. If you want to catch up on any of our previous episodes, lots of them just as moving and powerful as this, you can head over to the Africa Science Focus webpage by visiting www.sidev.net. That's www.scidev.net. Catch up on all the Africa Science Focus episodes on your favourite podcast app. And don't forget, leave a review. It really helps us get the word out about Africa Science Focus. Today's show was produced by me, Harrison Lewis, and edited by Fiona Broom. Africa Science Focus is produced by SciDevNet and distributed in association with your local radio station. Until next week, see you again then. <laughs>